The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon and welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, where this week, as every week, we're helping folks just like you with the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And one of the big benefits of, you know, doing a radio show that you've been doing for years and years and years and it's on nonprofit radio and we don't have to sell anything to stay alive is that we can do topics that are, they're just kind of not, not average topics. They're not stuff that you're generally going to see on YouTube and social media and similar sorts of things, but are going to be super useful to somebody out there. And this is an example of one of those days when we get to tackle one of those topics, that topic being why real estate investors need to understand how to properly construct notes and mortgages. And you know, don't tune out. Don't be like, well, I'm never going to need to do that because I don't de- need to deal with notes and mortgages because I promise you, you actually do. <laughs> you actually probably already are. You're just not thinking about it that way. So my guest today is Marco Barrio, who is the Barrio, who is the Barrio, uh, Barrio. Barrio, that is correct, who is the uh, owner at porchswingfunding.com and is coming at this discussion from the perspective of somebody who likes to buy notes, likes to buy notes and mortgages, but also is coming from the perspective of he tries to buy a lot of them from real estate investors and their customers and finds out that they're not buyable because the uh, real estate investor messed it up in some way. Uh, and that's bad. So he's going to, he's going to try and get our brains oriented around what to think about, about the notes and mortgages while you are in fact as the real estate investor, super focused on the real estate and the deal that you're doing, the deal that you're buying, the deal that you're selling. So Marco, why don't you start by just kind of telling us about yourself and your journey into this whole note business thing? So Vina, despite your intro, I can hear people changing the station and and I promise everybody here there's going to be value. So please stick around. Um, I got into, I, I didn't grow up in real estate like you, Vina. I, um, actually, uh, uh, spent a long time working in the film and television industry. I live in part, part time now, still live in Los Angeles. And, um, and I worked in film and television. I worked on TV shows and then I worked for a big company called Technicolor, who like a hundred years ago invented color film, but we did a lot of high end digital post production services on feature films. 
totally different career as that world started to change. And that's a whole other long story. I was looking for something to do. I started going to my local uh, real estate meetups back when, before the pandemic, when they were in person then. Every week was a different topic. And uh, every week, that's what I was going to do. I was going to buy apartment buildings and or every month, I should say. And then the next month, I was going to flip houses and the next month, private money lending. But but eventually, I went to, right about the time I thought I have to pick something, I went to a meeting and there was a panel of note investors. And it it connected to me. Um, for a number of reasons, one being that I realized I could do it all over the country. I didn't need to put my hands on the property. I didn't need to meet the borrowers per se, um, but I could still be a real estate investor. So so that's a short version of the story, how I ended up where I am now. And the rest is history. <laughs> so, so like everybody else, you saw somebody who had a thing that you connected with and actually went out and did it, which I guess is not everybody. I guess a lot of people don't actually take that information to go do something with it. So congratulations for that. So make your argument about why people who do not consider themselves to be in the note business, they're not out looking to buy notes. They're not, you know, going and bidding on hedge fund notes. They're not hitting up people who already have notes to buy them. Why do the rest of us need to have a working knowledge well, of how to structure and document these things. If you're in real estate indirectly, you're in the note business. And as an extension of why I got into this part of the business, I saw that property and paper, if you will, paper being the notes, are really two sides, as I say all the time, of the same real estate coin. It's hard to do real estate deals without financing, and it's hard to, you know, financing serves a real estate industry to a large degree. So, I felt that the more I got into some, and, and early on, frankly, I put myself into some sticky situations. I'd, I'd say it's like Houdini. I, uh, you know, chain me up and put me in the box and fill it with water, and I'm going to figure out how to get out. I have a pretty good idea how to get out, but I bet something unexpected is going to happen along the way, and boy, I'm going to learn from that. And that's what notes have done for me. Um, they never behave the way you, borrowers never behave the way you think they will. Uh, the outcome's never quite the same. And um, as many notes as I see today, I still see things I've never seen before. No, and, no, um, let's let's be fair, because one of the one of the primary ways in which real estate investors do use notes or try to use notes pretty constantly is they're the borrower to to somebody who didn't provide the note. You know, the bank, bank, you go to bank, you go to a hard money lender, they're gonna structure the note the way they want to structure it. But when you're trying to get a seller to finance. Or maybe a private lender who's not a professional private lender to finance, then you have to have a lot of input <laughs> into how that note is structured. Yeah. And sometimes the lenders change their mind halfway through the deal. It's not just the borrowers that don't always act the way that they are supposed to. Sometimes the lenders agree to a five year loan and come back in six months and say, I need my money back. I guess, I, I guess, yeah, I guess it's on. comparable to a race car driver having good knowledge about how the car works. Mm-hmm. Real estate investors drive the property and it's good to know how the, how the, how the paper works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'll no. give you some, uh, yeah, and, and I can give you some examples of, of why I think it's good for investors to know this. Yes. Let's, let's do that right after we take this quick break. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. This is a pre-recorded show because uh, I am off someplace doing something else today. Uh, so I'm not going to make that usual call for questions. Just, you know, settle in, chill out, listen up. It's going to be some good stuff here. We'll be back right after this. 
Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Uh, talking today on this special pre-recorded show to Marco Barrio, who is a um, experienced note buyer and mostly buys notes from people like you and me who, I don't know, sold a house and carried back financing and now we'd like to get cash instead or we arrange for other sellers to carry back financing so we can buy the properties and we're we're talking about something that um he has had some fairly massive personal experience with which is real estate investors who don't actually understand what the proper setup of these notes are because we're so focused on look at this payment i got or look at this great terms i got or you know look at this this house i don't have to do the maintenance on anymore and we're not thinking about months or years up the road when it might become advisable, necessary, a good thing to sell these notes. And then we go to somebody like Marco and then he looks at the note and he says, yeah, I can't buy this. And here's the reasons why. So we're talking about why you need to really take some time and understand this. And then about some of the, some of the specific things that uh, would make a note more, more better, more betterer for the, that future situation. So, uh, Marco, you're talking about why people who don't consider themselves note people should have this working knowledge about how to structure good notes and mortgages. Yeah. One of my favorite ones is it's a way to collect payments without tenants, toilets and trash you know, the evil three T's. If, an, if, if, if a property just doesn't work well as a rental and some do and some don't, or a landlord or a housing provider rather is just tired of being a landlord in an instance, why not turn it into a payment stream? Um, and you can still collect monthly payments. And that works for people, of course, trying to buy property too. that argument, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the other is to work with sellers, like I was saying, um, and, and convince them that they can turn their property into a payment stream. Well, what are you going to do with this money if I give you $200,000 right now today? Well, I don't know. I might put it in the bank and it's just nice. It's there. Wouldn't you rather get a thousand bucks a month for like, I don't know, 20 years. Boy, that sounds good. Well, it's nice to understand how to structure those deals and how to talk to those people. Um, Private lenders, there's a lot of private lending in the real estate investment industry. Understand how paper works, understand what to put in there. Uh, that's useful. And then people like Pete Fortunato and more advanced investors will no- use notes as currency. Um, do you need a, a, a wire transfer from a checking account to buy a property? No, you might be able to give someone a note and they might be happy with that as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, even even those of us who don't think of ourselves as note people, if we do enough business we find ourselves using the notes in various ways. And um, I'll tell you a scenario that I keep running across recently. And it's because of what has happened with bank interest rates. And especially, especially for things like apartment buildings, like the, the single family homes are bad enough, but apartment rates have now way exceeded the cap rates at which, apartments are selling. And so there's more and more interest in this idea of, I want the seller to carry a first or second so that this property will cash flow because it won't cash flow if I go to the bank and borrow 80% of the purchase price of the property. And those sellers say, 
but I need, you know, I'm selling this property for 700000 and I'm perfectly happy with the idea of taking payments, but I need $100,000 right now because my intention in selling this was to go buy a condo in Florida, you know, whatever, whatever their reason is. They actually have a reason that they need a certain amount of that cash, and it becomes a less attractive deal for the for the buyer and sometimes an impossible deal for the investor buyer when the seller says I need 50% down or I need hundreds of thousands of dollars down. And when I say to the real estate investor, well, you know, he could still carry a hundred percent of the financing and you could arrange it so that there's a buyer at the table for his first hundred thousand dollars worth of payments. Like you, you know, people you're, you know, you're in real estate associations, you know, people, you can find somebody who's willing to make an offer on the first X payments for a hundred thousand dollars. And that would both get him his money and also get you a closer to no money down deal. And they go, wait, you can do that. And I'm like, yeah, cause you need to understand notes. So in order for that to actually work, the note has to be correct. The mortgage has to be correct. And it has to be structured in such a way that the seller is not taking an absolute haircut by selling that first hundred thousand dollars worth of payments. That he's not, he's not selling $200,000 worth of payments for $100,000. So another little thing for you real estate investors to kind of put in your pipe and smoke is that when you understand these things, you can actually arrange things for your seller so that he gets what he wants and you get what you want. So now, Marco, I know we may not have enough time in the whole show for this, but. I would love for you to give some examples of situations that you have run across where people weren't thinking about this when they set up the note and mortgage. They did it incorrectly. And then you became involved or didn't become involved because of the way that it was set up. Sure. Sure. Um, essentially, you know what you described, and I say this all the time, someone traded a property and turned it into a note. That, that, that they, they had a property they didn't want. They turned it into a note that nobody wanted. And obviously that's not a smart thing to do. Um, what I see a lot is people pick the wrong buyer. They're so anxious to get rid of the property. They're so anxious to make the deal happen. And they think everything is so great, the property and the terms and so forth. It's just the wrong buyer. It's not somebody who anybody's going to want to be a business with. There's a poor chance that they're going to perform. It's like dating. If When I buy a note, I know that I'm going to be more or less in business or dating this person for a long time, or it's like picking a tenant. I want to pick a buyer who, 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 who I feel confident is going to perform. Um, the low and no down payment thing, just like when you go to the bank and they want 20% down or 30% down on an investor loan, I want equity protection. I want to know that if the value of the property drops, if I have to spend me on a foreclosure, if things go bad, if I get the property back and it's in bad shape, I don't plan to get the property back, but I want to know I'm protected by equity. So I'd like to see down payment for that reason. I also like to see that the buyer puts skin in the game. Somebody who walks in with zero cash is basically a tenant. They're not a buyer. They don't have anything on the line. Um, the terms are important, of course. I see people uh, do the terms too low. When interest rates were 3 and 4%, I used to see a lot of 3 and 4% seller finance notes, to which I would say, but yeah, that's what the banks are charging. But guess what? The banks lend other people's money and the banks get bailed out typically when things really hit the fan, but you don't. 
So in the private money world, the investor world, rates need to be higher. Um, bad collateral. Some investors will buy a house, think, well, heck, I can just sell it on a note. I don't want to own this house. But it's a house that nobody wants to own. And when I look at it, I have to decide in the event of foreclosure, is this a house that I want to have to deal with? And sometimes the answer is no. Um, uh, yeah, or the, yeah. This, or they make that assumption, I guess I'm saying it again, that they, the investor would want to take the property back. Those are the big things I see. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I bet you've also seen bad documentation, like just, just messed up documentation, just people deciding that they can um, sell a property, carry back financing, and just download the documents off the internet. And never, yeah. never mind, never mind that I live in a, I live in a mortgage state and what I've downloaded is a deed of trust and isn't even enforceable in my state. Yeah. To be fair, I don't see that a lot. Um, and documentation can be fixed. There are situations where we get in, we go down a road of having to update documents or create new documents before we close on the purchase. It can be fixed. Obviously the payer has to be on board. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they're not willing to do that. They think, oh, I just got a get out of jail free card here. What do you mean this document's not enforceable? Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, documents can be fixed. But of course, you want to can talk about this too. Uh, use an attorney, use a title company, do it professionally. When banks lend, they do it professionally. Your investors, your business people do it professionally also. Mm-hmm. Don't say $500 now to find out that you literally have an unenforceable document in four or five years when things go bad or when you want to sell it. Um, I'll tell you something that I run across an awful lot. I don't, I don't chase notes around, but you know, if you're in the real estate world, eventually someone's going to say to you, Hey, do you want to buy a note? And I, in these uh, seller held mortgages, whether it's the investor who was the seller or the investor who was the buyer, I often see, silly but important scrivener's errors it's just it, the, the document just wasn't filled out right and it, it it'll say something like um it'll say on the line where you write it out it'll say e-i-g-h-t percent interest but then on the one where you put the number it'll say six mm-hmm. and the whoever's trying to sell me the note always says well no no we agreed on eight well <laughs> what you agreed on and what the court how the court might translate this should it go wrong. Um, you know, it's not, that's, it's, it's my money I'm putting into this. I'm not comfortable with that unless we get it corrected. And I've also seen, I don't know how many of these where in one place it says that the taxes and insurance are included in the monthly payment. So the pay, whatever payment you make me, I'm then going to take part of it and pay the month, the taxes and insurance and in a different place. It says that the buyer is responsible for the taxes and insurance and or the, the borrower. And when you try to do the math on the numbers, it's pretty clear that it says this $900 a month payment includes taxes and insurance and I will pay them. But the $900 doesn't add up right. You know, you understand what I'm saying? Like, the principal and interest payment should be 900, not the entire payment. And then that again becomes a question of, okay, if I, if I buy it or if you buy it, Marco, is it enforceable 
for me to now go in and say, yeah, you were supposed to be paying these tax and insurance all along. And apparently your lender was, but that's not right. That's not what the document says. Just all kinds of silly stuff that could have been caught at the beginning with a knowledgeable attorney. You said attorney. I would say don't, don't get the guy who represented you in your divorce. Unless he also happens to be <laughs> experienced in notes. I like attorneys who you'll find attorneys who own title companies and they can create these documents and they would be generally enforceable. I prefer attorneys who have foreclosure experience because they have case specific trial experience. Mm. They've dealt with these. They've dealt with what borrowers actually do in a courtroom and what judges say, and they will help you to craft documents that will help you. Even if the law does require certain language, they will help you to craft documents that will get you out of, out of a bind. Should you end up in one unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're going to take another quick break talking today to Marco Barrio from porchswingfunding.com about things real estate investors need to know about notes because real estate investors deal with notes all the time, whether we think we're in the note business or not. Uh, this is a pre-recorded show, so not going to call for questions. You can always send questions though to askvina at gmail.com. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. I'm actually off someplace enjoying, if not a well-deserved vacation, at least a much-needed vacation. So this is a pre-recorded program. Um, again, I will say if you, if you're, if you're listening to this and you're going, what I have a question, you can go ahead and send it to askvina at gmail.com and I will forward it to Marco or answer it on a future Q&A show or, you know, if it's, if it's on your mind, I don't want you to like be sitting there going, Oh, I'm never going to get my question answered. So, um, talking today about what real estate investors need to know about notes, which isn't everything. I mean, you don't have to, if you're not going to buy notes, you don't necessarily need to get too deep into this, but you still need to know how to evaluate both the terms of the note that you are producing or getting and also how to legally set it up. Because really, Marco, I think what we're talking about is two two potentially bad outcomes here. One is you never decide to sell the note, but you need to enforce it one day. Yes. And you can't <laughs> because it's, it's just incorrectly uh, written, documented, et cetera. The other issue that p- people never think they're going to do this. They, they, they say, I'm, I'm selling this rental I don't want because it's too far away or it doesn't fit my portfolio anymore. I'm going to sell it, carry back financing. And then I'm just going to sit and take the payments for the next 30 years and it'll be great. Except that. At some point you might need the cash or at some point you might die and your heirs might go, Oh, no, 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 no. I don't want, I don't even understand what this is. I want to sell it. And the terms of the note and is it correctly documented and so on are very, very important to the value of that note. Should the time come when you wanted to sell it. So I think we've talked and talked and talked that it's important to do it correctly. From your perspective, what is correctly 
it starts with it, it there 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 are two concerns one is i want to sell the note to a guy like marco so i better get the highest interest rate in the shortest term because money now is worth more than money later and get a huge down payment and all this great stuff and it's going to check the boxes but then you might send it to a guy like me and i might look at it and say yeah but i just don't see that this borrower has been set up to succeed this payer it's technically not a loan it's credit but that this payer has been set up to succeed because this is a house in a you know working class neighborhood with a payment that's you know riverfront and uh i don't know what their job is i haven't seen all their financials yet and i do check credit but are you sure they're going to be able to make this payment for the next 25 years well i don't know we didn't really look at their credit and mm-hmm. uh and we didn't check w2s <laughs> so that's a concern so at the end of the day for a lot of reasons i don't want to i don't want to get involved in a situation where the borrower's not able to perform they may have every intent to perform but they may just not be able to and and everybody's just one job loss away from not being able to make their monthly payment anymore mm-hmm. so, so if i'm if i'm a listener and i and i'm thinking yeah if i'm listening because i have been wanting to sell one of my rental properties and carry back the financing what do i need to go ahead and get from this borrower today so that if, in five years when marco says let me see the application let me see the w2s let me see the credit report that i have it ready and i don't have to go track down my borrower who i probably haven't talked to in five years because i've been getting the payments and say hey i need all this stuff well you can do it yourself and as real estate investors we love do it ourselves. or you can hire somebody as a third-party underwriter who does this every day and you can as part of the transaction shift those costs to the buyer so that it doesn't come out of your pocket. So that's my favorite solution. There are third-party mortgage underwriters out there. There are You'll see them advertised as mortgage loan originators, although you're technically the originator in a seller finance transaction. They will verify the borrower, the buyer's ability to repay. That's a that's a government term, ability to repay, and you'll see it in in, in things like Dodd Frank. But um, they will, they will, they will ask them to fill out the same 1003 loan application that I would fill out if I went to Bank of America or Quicken Loans for a loan. You know, what's what the banks use. That's the government form. It's the standard form. They'll ask to see their pay stubs, tax returns. They'll talk to previous landlords. They'll confirm that they meet certain income thresholds and have the ability to repay. That's a big one. They'll also check their credit, look for big things like bankruptcies, uh, previous foreclosures, et cetera. The standards can be a little bit looser than what a, a conforming loan would be that's going to sell into Fannie or Freddie and go into the, the Wall Street, you know, finance world, um, if you will, and government and then the, and the Wall Street. But, um, but still you need that, you want that, that verification. Mm-hmm. Now that, that verification is really a snapshot, right? Like th- this is what's going on today. How does that help the note buyer in five years? To make it, a, they could have a different job. They could have different credit. They could have like, what? Why? Why are you going to say to me, okay, fine, send me the note, send me the mortgage, and send me the file, which would include this application from five years ago and this, you know, tax return from five years ago, and how? how a, why do I need five, to save it? Yeah, five, save it, but also. We'll talk about that, but five years to me, I'm hearing harps and violins go off because five <laughs> years, I can ask for the payment history. Has this guy been paying this thing for five years? Oh my gosh, look, I've never seen it more than like three days late. I love this note. I love that note. 
oh, mm-hmm. by the way, did you do an underwriting and there's their file I can look at? That's great because if we ever end up in court and now I've taken on the liability because I'm the guy who owns the note, then I can say, oh, look, he, five years ago, he was in perfect shape to make these payments and it's all documented and he signed these documents. That's why I would mm-hmm. want those documents, but I mm-hmm. love five years of pay history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're going to, we're not just going to like put these people in a house and then throw away the application after three years because, you know, I have to keep it for three years for fair housing purposes. These are going to become like permanent documents in this file of mine. And again, I will say maybe not for me, maybe for my heirs because <laughs> they're, they're going to need to have that all in one place as well. Yeah, absolutely. I buy a lot from heirs, by the way. And you, <laughs> dad had a bunch of these things and we can't find the documents. And do you really need the note? Because we don't know where the note is. I'm sure it's here somewhere, but God, his stuff is a mess. And yeah. Oh, but, oh yeah. my gosh. Well, and let's, and let's talk about that paperwork because I think we already sort of hammered on the get an attorney to do it, <laughs> you know, get a, get a, make sure you've got a real, you know, state legal, robust mortgage and note. But the other thing that that attorney can do is record the stuff that needs to be recorded appropriately. Right. Yeah. Title is a big part of this. An enforceable lien is one that's been recorded and, and God forbid a lien isn't recorded because, um, because there could have been additional debt put on the property and you might get pushed into junior position. Mm-hmm. So what you thought was a first that never got recorded. Well, guess what? They went out and got a HELOC on the thing. And now the HELOC's in first position and you're not. Mm-hmm. That, would, that would be a problem. Yeah. So recording and recording fast. Um, my, my, my very first and one of my few ventures into, uh, buying notes, uh, involved a, note seller who was very desperate to sell the note because he had bought it from a seller and he didn't do a title search when he bought it from the seller. And after he bought it from the seller, it was discovered that the mortgage was never recorded and nobody had an original copy of it. Well, guess what? Go ahead. Go ahead. ahead. Well, these people were nine years into this. And they were in default, by the way. It was a defaulted loan on top of that. And he had paid real money for this. And now he was going, I don't, I have no idea what to do. I, I don't think these people are going to sign a new note. Because <laughs> since, I mean, you know, like you said, hey, I won the lottery. It's <laughs> I'm in default, but nobody can prove that I actually owe the money. So, yeah. Attorneys have a real role here. Attorneys and title companies, expect if you sell to somebody like me who does this professionally, we're going to close through a title company. And if there's not an existing lender's title policy, there'll be one purchased as part of the transaction. Um, And, of course, as part of that, we're going to review title. They're going to review title. And anything that's out there is going to come out. So I know that the lien's been recorded. I know what else is ahead of me, if anything. And I know that I have an insurance policy backing me up. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. when originating loans, I highly encourage any investor who originates these loans, who sells with owner financing to get a title policy as well, which again, you can have your buyer pay for. And when you buy a, a lend, a, a, a lender's policy, now there's the owner's policy that protects the owner of the property. 
when they take the deed. There's the lender's policy, which every bank has this. If you've ever taken out an institutional mortgage, you'll see this on your settlement statement. There's the lender's policy. It's cheap if you if it's purchased at the time of the, the time the owner's policy is is created. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now I want to I want to roll back a second and pick up something that you had said earlier, which is uh, if you see a mortgage that's been in place for a lot of years and you see proof of payment, and it says, "Oh, he was only three days late two times," and other than that, he's been on time. That like that makes you just really pay attention, and that probably gives the loan a higher value to you. Um, how do we? track that do i have to like i don't know take photocopies of the checks like how do how do i how do i five years later say look marco he's made 59 on-time payments in a row oh vina do you want to hear all the stories (laughs) (laughs) i buy from a lot of mom and pop sellers who generally real estate investors don't aren't aren't this terrible with their records but i've i did see a loan once where a, a note where the um the seller, I said, do you have records of the payments, you know, payment history? And he said, well, honestly, the guy's a mechanic and sometimes he does work on my truck and I just take a little bit off the payment that month. <laughs> I've seen it all. But, and, there's um, a, and, there, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that when you decide to sell the note, you just made your note worth, worth a lot less. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's no documenting that. I'm glad your truck runs, but there's no, no documenting that. I, when I buy notes, I, I, I have them serviced by a, a licensed, loan servicer, a third party. They're like property managers for notes. They collect the payments. They send monthly statements. They send annual tax uh, uh, notif- uh, uh, documents. And in some cases, they'll even, if depending on the servicer and, and, and the, the payment plan and the, and the package you're on with them, they will follow up if the payment's late. Hey, you know, it's uh, it's the 10th of the month already and uh, just check in where you're going to send your payment. Oh my gosh, I got, sorry. So when that, my daughter had a baby and I forgot it. It'll be, it'll be there tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, but the most important, I mean, uh, along with all those things, they are a third party who's documenting the payments when they come in. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. When, so when the payment history comes to me, I see, oh, it's XYZ loan servicing. They're like licensed in the state where this house is. And here's a document they sent me that shows all the payments were sent in. And we talked briefly about escrows for, for taxes and insurance. Nobody who collects escrows does it right, except loan servicers. Zero percent of the people who deal with the taxes and insurance and escrowing do it right, unless it's a loan servicer. I promise you that. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. We need to take one more quick break. When we come back, we will talk about first rights of refusal and some other things that you need to know if you're going to either buy or sell properties with owner financing or private financing. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Talking today to Marco Barrio about uh, something that's, you know, it's, it's niche until it's not like it's it's one of those things that like you know you're like oh well that would be something interesting to know until the minute you're trying to do it and then you're like oh my gosh i need to know all this stuff and um it's about creating notes whether you're creating them because you're selling a property whether you're creating them because you're getting a seller to sell to you with financing or whether you and a private lender are creating them together because you've got a private lender who's willing to finance a deal from you. My guest today is Marco Barrio, 
porchswingfunding.com. And he's just kind of, he's telling it to us from the perspective of the guy that you're, you're going to call somebody. <laughs> you're going to try and sell this note or part of this note at some point. And then you're going to find out what you did wrong. Better, better to get it right in the first place because it can be difficult or impossible to fix it later on up the road. Um, one thing that I just sort of wanted to mention, Marco, for the, for the, for the folks who are out trying to negotiate owner financing with their owners. If that, if something like that goes into the public record, you're likely to contact that seller at some point and say, can I buy your note? And it's likely that the offer that you would make on that note, depending on how it was constructed, is lower than the amount owed. And therefore, I, as the person who owes the money, might want the ability to say to the seller, well, if he's going to pay you that, I'll just pay it off for that. So what is that called and how do we insert it into these deals in advance so that Marco doesn't get to buy the three hundred thousand dollar note for two hundred thousand dollars. Vina gets to pay it off for two hundred thousand. It's a it's a first right of refusal clause, um, and it could be first right or it could be what's the other way to do that? Last right, I guess. But essentially, uh, as a as the the investor, I would want the ability who who sold the property. I would want the ability if there's two hundred thousand dollars of balance, and a guy like me says I can pay you one fifty for it. I would want the ability as the person who created that note to, to who sold the note who didn't create it to say, well, shoot, I'll, I'll, I'll pay you off right now for one fifty, and we'll call it even. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And again, again, we talked about that. Like it's, it's just the first right refusal clause. Have the attorney write that. <laughs> Don't just write, oh, by the way, I have first right of refusal. Like, like there's more words that need to go around that than just I have first right of refusal. So. Let's talk about in in wrapping up here. We've got mm, eight more minutes or so. Just from your perspective, good notes, bad notes, good way to do it, bad way to do it. What advice would you give to listeners? So, um, well, we can go in a couple directions with that. I mean, when when let's start high level. When I when I, when I receive a submission. I look at the property because ultimately the property is what pays me. If everything goes bad, if the, the payer disappears, the payments stop, the ultimate payer on a, anything that's collateralized is the collateral. So that's the property. So I want, I want good property. Um, I want equity protection because I need some cushion in there. Markets change, foreclosures cost money, uh, running my business costs, costs money. I need to make sure there's equity protection in there. Um, I want a good payer who I expect is going to p- make payments. I don't want paperwork that's enforceable. Those are the big categories. Those are the big categories. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, and then, Vina, if we have time, I can give an example that I think is relevant for investors, which I see a lot, especially lately. Owner financing has become more of a hot topic. It's more difficult as interest rates are higher for buyers to qualify because of debt to income restrictions, right? At a, at a seven and a half or whatever percent interest rate versus what was a three and a half percent interest rate not long ago. Their income needs to be much higher to buy the same property. So we are seeing more seller financing. I, I could call from some realtors, from investors, um, from homeowners and say, hey, if I sell this property and, and will you just buy the note from me? I said, well, sure. 
but let's talk through it. So, so here's an example I see a lot. A house sells for $200,000. There's 10% down. Seller financing, there's a lot of 10%-ish down payments. I don't like to see people go less than that. This person did a great job. They got a 9.9%, 99% interest rate. There's a monthly payment of $1,735, okay? Mm-hmm. After two payments are made, and I like to see at least one payment made because I don't want to be too close to the origination. I'm not an originator. I'm a, I buy in the secondary market. Two payments are made. There's still $179,500 roughly left on the note. Well, guess what the problem is? They put 10% down, but I said I want equity protection. I don't want to have an investment to value, which is like loan to value, but it's my investment amount higher than 70%, let's say, on this property. Sometimes it's 50 or 65%, depending on the property type. Let's say it's 70% here. The most I'll pay, I don't care that they had almost a 10% interest rate and the borrower may be great and so forth. The most I'll pay, because that's my ultimate stopgap, is $140,000. So I'm buying a $179,500 balance for $140,000. If you're an investor who wants to recapitalize, you probably don't like that. Mm-hmm. And you may have been able to do something in the beginning to 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 circumvent that. So mm-hmm. you do have an option. I can come back to you and say, I'll tell you what. Without change, you've already created the note. The ship has sailed. You can sell a partial to me. Now, a partial is, if you think of a note as a pizza, and pizza's cut into slices, you can buy pizza by the slice, or you can buy the whole thing. But you can buy part of a note that way. There's a bunch of individual payments. I can buy them, or I can buy a chunk of the balance. So I could come back and say, well, I'll tell you what. You're roughly $80,000 balance. I'll buy, I'll buy $150,000 of that balance. I'll take a nice big chunk of it. I'm still below my, and I'll pay you 135,000 for it. So you'll get 135,000. I'll be owed about 154 payments. And on the back end, because I'm not buying the whole note, you're still owed. And this is why I love amortization and why I invest in notes. You'd still be owed $105,000. Hmm. So, so think about that. 100, you got 135 now and someday you're still due $105,000. Mm-hmm. That's not a bad deal, right? Mm-hmm. Or solution two, structure it differently. And I see I see more and more investors do this, and I think it's really smart. $10,000 down to our $200,000 house, $140,000 first. So that's below my investment to value ratio. And then carry it. And then, and then they, there's a second for $40,000. So what's going to happen is you can call me. I can pay. A fair amount of money. I can pay almost, I could probably pay $135,000 for that first, to be honest with you. But then the second, you just collect the payments, which are going to be roughly $87 a month for 238 months. So you stay in the deal. Mm-hmm. So you got some cash to go do your next deal. And these add up over time. There are actually investors out there. This is a business model. And they've got hundreds of these seconds they carry. Mm. And they get these little payments every month. And it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we said partials. We said, <laughs> ah, okay. We of... said seconds. We said all sorts of things. Or I said, we, you said those things. Shame and, and this, this goes back again to, you know, the 60 minute radio show is not the place to really, really learn this stuff. The place to really, really learn this stuff is, 
get a good course from somebody, uh, join a, an association like Cincinnati RIA that actually has a note focus group where you can talk through this kinds of things with people uh, month over month. The purpose here was just surely to let real estate investors know that this is worth further research. And please, please don't start doing the research when you have already agreed to sell that rental you don't want and carry back paper or when you've got a seller who said, oh, sure, I'll take payments. <laughs> and Oh, but I do need 50% down. And now you're going, okay, how do I structure this so that somebody will buy? How do I, how do I help these sellers structure it so that somebody will buy part or all of their note for enough money for them to make the down payment on the uh, house in Florida, right? It's, it, it, it really does um, warrant your further investigation, particularly if you're more on the creative finance side of things. So, Mark, I want to thank you so much for agreeing to spend this time today. Um, it was my pleasure. My it was, pleasure. Uh, it's always good to, you know, when you're trying to do something new, go talk to somebody who already does the other side of it. And that's the opportunity that folks got today. And, uh, as for me, I will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. 